What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to the Wealth Managed Podcast. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for Morningstar and an adjunct professor at the American College. David, I don't remember if you remember back when you took finance classes in college. There was like a chapter on options and most financial advisors, they read the chapter, they answered the test questions. And then afterwards, they just never use options again. So why did you have to learn all that stuff? What is the value of options for a financial advisor? Why, why is that part of a wealth management curriculum? The idea of using options as part of a portfolio strategy has regained some popularity recently. There are financial products in different types of wrappers, whether it's an ETF wrapper or whether it's within some kind of an annuity wrapper, but there are products that incorporate strategies that involve the use of options. And options, as we know, since we took the class, are complicated. And so we need to get everyone up to speed on the idea of using a product that incorporates the use of financial options. So from your perspective, there's really two types of products and you wanna be able to differentiate those two basic types of products that incorporate the use of options. Yeah, so I mean, maybe taking a step back, let's just say that I wanted to have upside exposure to the market, but I didn't wanna lose money at all, right? You can't do that if you just buy the S&P, right? If you buy the S&P, you have the upside, but you also have downside. And what you can do with financial options is you can kind of splice up the return distribution of a given underlying index. And so, you know, using that same approach and say, hey, I want upside, but no downside. What you could do is you could effectively buy a, a call option at the money. So a, a call option, it gives you the upside up to a point, then you could sell another one. And so it gives you, it gives you this potential to create a return distribution that is very different what you see in traditional financial products. And that idea of upside with no downside is often what you would call like a fixed index annuity. Well, to your point, there's this emerging growth in a, a category called, you know, for example, RILAs, registered index linked annuities, or even ETFs that combine these different options approaches of floors and buffers, right? So a, a floor product is one that provides effectively a guarantee on the worst return that you could receive. So if the floor is 0%, it means you're not going to lose money, okay? If the floor is 10%, you're not going to lose more than 10%, right? It, may, it, it should be kind of intuitive, but the more money that you can potentially lose, the more upside that you gain, right? It's not realistic to assume you can buy a product that has no downside, infinite upside, right? Buffer products are kind of like the reverse. Buffer products, what they do is a, some amount of gains are effectively absorbed by the product. So if you have a product that's got a 10% buffer, if the underlier return is say negative 20%, your return is only negative 10%. It soaks up the first 10% of the return. And so what we're seeing is a, a pretty wide growth in, in terms of assets, interest, and adoption of these types of products across different types of advisors. So I am pretty convinced we're going to see and hear a lot more of these buffer and floor approaches within the advisor space and just the investing space in the immediate future. I think there's some initial resistance, first of all, because they, they sometimes are structured within annuity products and some advisors don't want to have anything to do with annuity products. But let's begin with, you can create your own product, which is a structured product by 
investing in a portfolio of zero coupon bonds. They mature, let's say in five years, and they provide you all of your original money back. So let's say you're investing $10,000, you can buy bonds that will pay $10,000 in five years. But because there is a positive interest rate, hopefully, you're going to have an options budget and you can use part of that options budget to buy call options, say on the S&P 500. And that will give you what you call the upside potential. Now, if you think about that in portfolio terms, especially in a low interest rate environment, most of your investment is bonds and a little bit is equities. So what is the difference between just a heavy bond portfolio and a financial product that guarantees not to lose you money and then invest in call options? An important nuance here, right, is that there are what I would call like prepackaged products that create these exposures, right? Whether it's a floor or a buffer that does it for you automatically. You can also go out and do it yourself. You can buy or sell puts and calls, whatever, right? What you're kind of doing though within these existing product frameworks, as opposed to taking that guaranteed bond yield, so let's just say you could buy a bond that was yielding 2%, okay? As opposed to earning that yield, you're going to use that yield effectively to go out and create upside potential or some kind of market access. And so as opposed to having that guaranteed rate of return, you're going to have probably more possible upside, but you're also not having that guaranteed rate of return. The return of that investment, that product is all of a sudden dependent upon whatever the underlying investment is. So it's most common, the S&P 500, but your performance is now based upon the market versus being guaranteed. It's important to reiterate that a product like a fixed indexed annuity is essentially part of the bond portion of your portfolio because it's not going to give you a significant amount of upside even if the equity market does well, especially in a low interest rate environment where your options budget is not that much. Right. So that's why we've seen a pivot away from fixed indexed annuities. And so again, fixed indexed annuities, no downside, some upside. You know, if we go back 10 or 15 years, these actually had pretty attractive upside potential. You could get the first 15%, let's say, of the return of the stock market. And that was pretty good. Well, you know, to your point, as interest rates have declined, the options budget and the eventual upside or the cap has declined significantly. And so what kind of response to this kind of increasingly challenged rate environment, we're seeing product providers creating new products. And this is the idea of the floors and the buffers. And you know why I like floors and buffers versus just say the traditional fix the next new or the FIA is that they give you a level of customization. If you can lose 10% or lose 20%, you want a 10% buffer, it gives you the options to do that. Now, a problem though, is that you know when you use a term like a Ryla generically, it actually means lots of different strategies. And so all of a sudden where, uh, you know, like a fixed index annuity was a, was a pretty plain vanilla concept, the idea of, of a Ryla or these strategies, the risk can vary astronomically even within the same kind of buffer or floor approach. And so I think that it's incumbent to learn about them, but I think that we'll see more confusion among consumers and advisors because it is such a kind of a, a wide open space in terms of the different designs we see across products. One way to imagine the difference between a, a buffer and a floor is that the floor is going to be more expensive. In other words, you have to, that will limit your potential upside because you're cutting off the potential downside. Uh, and if you think of a balance, you know, if you're cutting off the one side, you're going to have to cut off the other one. What is the appeal of a floor? 
I mean, I think that the appeal of a floor is is somewhat behavioral, where you know you can't lose more than a certain amount, right? So I think that you know, like where these fit best are investors that have this kind of preconceived notion of what they're willing to lose in the market. And so, you know, for example, if you're not willing to invest in equities because you don't want to lose more than 10%, you cannot effectively guarantee that using any kind of balanced portfolio. You can say, hey, historically, if you owned a 3070 portfolio, whatever, the worst one in 10, da, 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 da. but if you have a floor, you've literally created a return distribution that ends at a certain point. You will not lose more than 10 or 20%. And so I think like that's where these become attractive. And so I think that FIAs were very attractive because, hey, there is this idea where you cannot lose money, right? You, I guess technically you could lose money if the insured went in default or you if you're you of the policy before the, the full term. But you know if, if you kind of follow the conditions of the policy or the investment, whatever else it was, it, it allows you to kind of better curate the return distribution that you want as an investor. Thanks, David. Great point. We'll be back in a second. At the American College of Financial Services, we're proud of the accomplishments of our expert faculty and thought leaders and the recognition they receive both inside and outside our organization. This is George Nichols, President and CEO, and I'd like to congratulate Michael Finca and David Blanchett, hosts of our Wealth Managed podcast on being named to the 2021 Think Advisor IA25 list of professionals pushing the financial services industry forward. On behalf of all of us at the college, keep up the great work. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Welcome back. Let's continue our conversation. I think what you're doing is you're using financial engineering to have more control over the potential distribution of outcomes in an investment portfolio. That's probably the best way to look at it. And you can either try to do it yourself or you can work with an institution. Now, some of the value of working with an institution is that the fees on these things, there's not a whole lot of layers. The fees on these things are relatively modest. And some RILAs, you've said the fees have been somewhere in the range of 40 basis points. And if you're trading options because it's an institution, you know, you might actually be better off delegating that kind of thing to an institution than trying to do it yourself. But remember, it's just a way of changing the distribution of outcomes. Ultimately, that's what you're achieving. Right. And so I think like that's when, you know, someone would say, well, why would you do it? There has to be costs there. And so why would I just own a long only portfolio? Well, you know, I don't disagree if you're a, if you're one of those Vulcans we've talked about before that you can be purely rational, then yeah, like, you know, just own bonds and equities. But one thing that kind of actually is a little bit interesting is the historical returns associated with, with put options, especially put options that are kind of deep out of the money. All right, People you gotta get, explain what that is. What is a put I'm, option? I'm working, I'm working, I'm working on it. So a put option means, you know, like it's effectively protection if the market goes down. Okay, if I buy one, if the market goes down past a certain point, I'm covered. Okay, you can also sell them. So if I sell you a put option, I have, I'm gonna experience the negative possible returns. Okay. Individuals who have sold put options have historically had a positive rate of return. In other words, people like to get rid of their risk. Right. And so by selling put options, you actually create a higher possible rate of return. And, and I know you've done research on this. What, what I think is fascinating is that a buffer type of strategy sells put options that are historically very expensive. The flip side of that is that if you have a floor strategy, 
then you're buying these put options to protect against that potential loss. So you're paying perhaps a little too much for that downside protection. If you choose a buffer, then you're selling put options that can be more comparatively attractive. And essentially what that means is that the performance on some of these products can actually be kind of attractive. I think people think, well, you know, because it's an insurance company who's creating them, there's going to be huge fees, you're going to lose out on the long run. But actually, here is a little bit of a market anomaly that might actually allow you to generate a higher sharp ratio type of portfolio. Now, to me, when I learned this, I was blown away. This was amazing to me. So explain that. Well, so, you know, first important point is that the dynamics within options pricings are always changing. And so what I looked at was historical implied volatility options pricing levels, you know, going back about 30 years. And there's lots of actually research on this effect. I didn't find this. This isn't new. But what's called the implied volatility, which is used to price options, isn't constant across strike prices, right? And, and long story short, options become increasingly expensive put options do, the more out of the money they are. And, and that's what a buffer does. So uh, for example, a 20% buffer product, if you have that, what you're exposed to are the returns past negative 20%. So if you buy a 20% buffer, the market goes down 40%, you lose 20%. And historically, what you see in terms of options prices is that those, those put options that you sell create an incredibly attractive rate of return that you can use to create an options budget to create the upside. And so, you know, and again, like the dynamics in terms of the cost of the options, the benefit varies over time, but there's very clear evidence that structures that focus on taking on some of that tail risk can create attractive return distributions. Now, here's the most important part about this. If you are going to own the equity index outright, you have the same level of tail risk, right? In theory, the market goes down 50%, you're going to experience that of the way. The benefit of these products for those types of investors would be that, you know, if the return is between the buffer and zero, you don't actually experience that rate of return. And so that's where I think, you know, at least historically speaking, there has been a positive value to, you know, to actually owning buffer type products, given the underlying options dynamics. The other attractive element, I think, is behavioral, that people tend to place a lot of weight on small losses. And if you can use a buffer to get rid of all losses between zero and 10% or zero and 20%, then most of the time the investor is not going to have to experience that pain of a small loss. So that can be very valuable for a behavioral investor. But you're telling me that also because selling puts can be a profitable strategy, that investor is not harmed as much as you might imagine by this product that is providing them that behavioral protection, especially like a retiree who can get really gun shy when it comes to small losses, that can be an effective way of helping them achieve a better return in retirement than they might be able to achieve on their own if they decide to, for example, sell off equities when they lose 10%. If they know they have a buffer, they would be less likely to do that. Right. And I think that's kind of like the reoccurring theme across a lot of different investments and strategies. Where these fit well is kind of to help someone more behaviorally manage how they perceive risk and the risk of their portfolio. So I'm excited about the product space and I'm really curious to see kind of what innovations we see in the future. I mean, one thing that I'm not super jazzed about about the products that exist is the vast majority are tied to the S&P 500. And so what that means is that like if the market does well, then the buffer or the floor does well. And if it does poorly, you, you have this negative return. Well, that's a very high correlation to your underlying portfolio, right? If you, 
you might still own the large cap stocks in your regular portfolio. So I think where the kind of the, the best possible advantages would be here are some kind of underlier that it's tied to has a lower correlation to the other stuff that you own in your portfolio. So I'd hope to see more of that in the future, but we'll see. You know, the thing that excites me, David, the most is that you can create a customized portfolio using financial engineering for your client that gives them the distribution of outcomes that they can live with. And that is a new concept and it can be done cheaply. As prices go down and as it becomes easier to be able to craft a portfolio that matches the risk preferences, including the behavioral preferences of a client, we can use financial engineering to give clients something better than a long only a portfolio. So open your mind to the possibility of not only using a long only portfolio, the future might be engineering a portfolio to match the unique preferences of a client. You know, not that it matters, but there's ETF strategies available, tons of them. There's fee-only and fee-friendly, you know, annuities. And so I think what you're going to see versus maybe in the past with fixed index annuities is there's lots of ways to access these strategies. And so I think that, you know, while in the past an advisor might say, hey, I'm fee-only, I can't use these, that is definitely not going to be the case with this kind of group of products in the future. Great. Thank you, David. And thanks for joining us for today's podcast. I'm Michael Finca. And I'm David Blanchett. See you all. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services. 